Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. Does anyone else remember the show Catfish? Sabrina, do you remember Catfish? Who could forget it? Well, guess Wait, what? Remem- Cat- re- remember. It's, right, it's, say, still on, it's well, still on the air. Would you let me do the intro? <laughs> so, okay, it's let's not, start it's off. Not no, no, no. It's not if, gonna, if this is how this is going to go, my next line was, <laughs> Catfish is back in a new sort of, re, not necessarily reconfigured, but a whole sort of 2.0 version of it. And my very pushy guest is Neve Shulman. <laughs> How are you? I am great. Thank you. So. Ready to be back. I'm just so happy to be back, apparently. Yeah. You're well, like, where did I go? What, what happened to me? <laughs> what I mean, if anyone would let me get an entire thought out is, Catfish is back. How is it different than the original? Right. Well, for many, many years, Catfish was a show that I hosted with my friend Max. Yes. Uh, wherein we traveled around the country helping people solve the mystery of their online dating debacles. Correct. Um, in the last few years, there have been some big changes. The first was that Max left the show to pursue his career as a director uh, and was replaced by an w- incredible woman named Cami Crawford. Um, and then, of course, the second change was that last year, amidst the pandemic, we discovered that we could make, continue making the show entirely remotely via Zoom. Um, so we've now had a few seasons that have aired that were all Zoom and all virtual. And now we're starting to get back to in-person where Cammie and I are together in LA, Zooming. And then I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, next month, we're actually going to start going fully back on the road. Like I said, Catfish is back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's because it's morphed over the years. This is much more yeah. sort of the uh, uh, not... This is like the elevated version, what you're going into from the original. Because you have a woman involved. I like how she backed into that, Neve. I agree. I I think, you know, when I go back and I watch episodes with me and Max, there definitely was a camaraderie and sort of brother vibe, you know. It was bro. Bromance. It was very bro. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, And we really were learning so much uh because you know as as two straight white men who who grew up in new york city um though we traveled and and had you know experiences we 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 didn't really understand or appreciate many of the people's lives with whom we came in contact with um and our and our knowledge and and vocabulary when it came to sexual identity and and um gender uh was very novice uh, and so we had to learn a lot. And, you know, I, sometimes I even cringe when I look back at old episodes because I, I didn't know how to properly, you know, use pronouns. And I, 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 you know, said things that now obviously I would never say, but I didn't, you know, we, we've all been learning. Um, but the good thing about having Cami on the show is that she's 10 years my junior uh, and fully, fully up to speed on every new trend 
word, gender, sexuality, all of it. So she, she, she's, she's great. She totally elevates the show. I agree. So shall we start again, children? Like I said, <laughs> Catfish is truly back. <laughs> anyway. And better than ever. It better better, than, better ever. than ever. Yes. How, did, how has it changed? I mean, other than obviously the, the vocabulary and things like that, it, did it get worse during the pandemic? Just sort of the concept of catfishing? Yeah. You know, I think like so many things um, and, and, and so many vulnerable groups, the pandemic really uh, magnified what was already an existing problem. Um, and when it comes to catfish, there were so many people uh, who were feeling lonely, were isolated, you know, were insecure. And the pandemic obviously forced them into I further isolation. Um, and for better or worse, many of them turned to the Internet for that, you know, that social interaction that we all desperately need. Um, so I do think that we're going to see a wave of, and we're already starting to see it on the show now, the episodes that we're filming now, of people who hadn't previously really used the internet for dating uh, because they, you know, had a community around them uh, or were in a relationship previously for a period of time that ended as a result of the pandemic. And then they found themselves looking to meet people. Like there's so many combinations of factors that led people to go online in the last year and a half, uh, many of whom had not done that. So we're definitely going to see, I think, a spike now, especially that things are opening up and people are going to start going out again and wanting to meet their boyfriend or girlfriend with whom they've been speaking for the last year in person, only to find them coming up with more excuses why they can't. So uh, I do think that's, that's something that's changed for all of us. Um, but, you know, people's, people's ability to believe what they want to believe, if it gets them closer to feeling the way they want to feel, is something that has never changed and I don't think will ever change. The three people who don't know, Catfish started out as a documentary yeah. made by your brother and a friend of his about a personal experience you had. So, I mean, considering that your entire career really jump-started with yeah. catfishing, talk about making, you know, lemonade out of lemons. Seriously. So for the three people that don't know, can you just give them the Reader's Digest version sure. of your story? Because, I mean, you've yeah. turned this into... You turned, yeah. I mean, you, you snatched, you know, victory from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> yes, you could say that, yeah. So it, as quickly as possible, uh, in 2006, I started an online relationship um, with a friendship, to be very clear, uh, with a young girl in Michigan, uh, an eight-year-old, who had seen my published photographs of ballet and and had reached out to ask if she could use them as the subject of her painting. And it was so charming and she was so sweet. And we, we, we start, sort of had this funny correspondence. And of course her mother had also entered the conversation was, was sort of overseeing it. So it wasn't and, creepy. Right. Well, at first it was a little, it was a little, cause I got this MySpace message and she was just like, Hey, I saw your pictures and they're really great. And then Remember immediately I got a message from her mom saying, hey, just so you know, this is my daughter. And I, I know she sent you that. Message. Anyway, Saying MySpace really dates all of us. I just want you to know. I know. <laughs> so anyway, I started corresponding with this girl and her mom. And, and as, as Facebook was becoming a bigger and bigger thing at the time, I met and, and friended all of her family and friends and cousins and babysitter. And, and she lived in this very small town in Michigan in the upper peninsula. Anyway, 
fast forward a few months, I've now started a, a separate sidebar conversation with her older sister, who, who I think was 19 at the time I was 24 or 23. So uh, there was a flirtation and a relationship sort of started to develop where, where we were talking separately and talking about meeting up and I wanted to go visit her and she wanted to come visit me. And so for months and months, we kind of danced around the idea of meeting up. And eventually after discovering that something she had told me didn't really check out, my brother and his friend Henry and I decided we should go up there and, and just finally meet this girl and, and her family and see what's really going on. Now, were they filming you throughout this whole process? Well, so, so periodically my brother would check in. My brother's a filmmaker. Right. Uh, and at the time, you know, this is when, you know, the smaller kind of video camera technology was really new and, and they were super into it and using small cameras to film all kinds of things. So they had been tracking the story here and there whenever they would send me these paintings or I would get a phone call from one of them or read a funny email. I, they would capture a few minutes of it, but it was just this sort of funny folder on a hard drive, Neve and his friends in Michigan. Anyway, we went there with our sort of proper film gear to see what we would find. And what we discovered was, was a shockingly different version of reality than what we had expected. And they were able to sort of tell the story uh, via this documentary called Catfish about what had happened. And we went to Sundance Film Festival. The movie was, was incredibly well received. We sold it. It came out in theaters. And immediately everyone started reaching out to me with their strange internet relationship queries and, and stories and requests for help. And so we turned it into this show. In 2012, the show started. And we've been filming ever since. We really have not stopped filming the show in almost 10 years now. Which is crazy. It, it is yeah. crazy. It really is. But Neve, why do you think that people, smart people, like yeah. yourself, cont continue to be catfish? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to answer that. The, 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 the way that I've found is most relatable and I think most concise is I usually answer that question with a question, which is, do either of you play the lottery? Sometimes. We'll buy a okay. group lottery well, ticket. Well, a lot of people do, obviously. And a lot of people play the lottery every week. A lot of people spend lots of money, even if it's 20 or 40 or 50 bucks a week. For, for, for many people, that's a significant portion of their expendable dollars playing lottery. And, and in many cases, they even play the same numbers every week. And what are your chances of winning a lottery? Very small. Essentially nothing, right? Yes. Essentially zero, but they still do it week after week instead of putting that money into a safe, smart savings account. And why do they do that? Because there's a tiny, 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 tiny chance that maybe just maybe they'll be the one person that wins, that wins big. And even if they're not, just the fun of thinking that maybe it could be them and because they have this ticket, they've got a chance at that gives them something to look forward to and some small sense of excitement and joy every week. And I think for a lot of people getting catfish, whether you know it or not, is very similar. You wake up every morning to a sweet text or, or uh, have a great day or thinking of you, puts you in a good mood. You think about the person all day, you get these messages, they send you a hot picture, you get excited. There's this mystery of could it be, could I be this lucky? Could it possibly be that I, that I 
got the winning lottery ticket. And that, that to them is almost more valuable than the, the potential time and energy they're wasting on something that won't end up being the thing they think it is. But if you're happy while you're doing it, does it matter? I mean, we could do a very deep dive on this and the psychology behind it and all yeah. that. But you brought up something that, you know, I, I prefer to swim around in the shallow end of the pool with a, with, you know, walking <laughs> in with a drink in my hand. You brought up ballet. Oh, yeah. Now, what people don't know is you are a trained dancer. You took five uh, years. Is, of- is- Wait a second. I danced as a child in a youth, in like an after-school youth dance company, but it was not trained. And we never took formal classes. It was very much just sort of like, I don't know what, what the exact word is, but I never t- took a proper class. Regardless, so you spent five years of your childhood yes. shuffling off to Buffalo. So, yeah, learning some choreography, yeah. Okay, which brings me to, obviously, you know where this is going. <laughs> you were runner-up on Dancing with the Stars. I have watched all of it. I think the pink lame pants and the mullet hair may have been my favorite. Oh, yeah. Your Quick 80s step. routine. But, and this is an ongoing issue I have had with Dancing with the Stars, and you fall into this, my friend. <laughs> they should not allow people who have a background in dance on the show. Oh. It gives you an uh, unfair look, advantage, and you can defend it all you want. I don't believe you. <laughs> well, no, I, I would agree with you, but I wouldn't stop there. I would say that you shouldn't. All, you also shouldn't allow gymnasts. I on agree. The show. Right. People right, with dance right, training. Right. right. And well, you can well, even argue you shouldn't. You shouldn't allow professional athletes because they're physically in in the best shape potentially to but, be a dance. Like I'm but, just saying, that it's it's a gray area. But that does it. But that. But but for the most part. I don't think athletes as most of the athletes don't dance very well unless they were gymnasts or skaters. Right. That's true. But look, I I agree. And I, I, I don't disagree that I, I I came into that with some experience for sure. Um, Now, obviously I had not taken a dance class or even danced any kind of meaningful amount since you know, high school, really. I mean, you could say college, but that's, that's a stretch. At Sarah um, Lawrence. Right. I took one semester of a dance class. Like, it was a modern dance class, right? You know what I mean? So, yes, more than, more than nothing. For sure, more than nothing. Um, but no, no real serious dancing as an adult um, and no real formal training as a kid. But that said, yes, I had some, I had some background. But I think actually the thing that... Um, made me, gave me an advantage more than any of the dancing I had done was the, the countless hours I'd spent watching dance uh, and, the, and the hundreds of dance performances that I've been to and studio hours I've spent photographing and filming dance. That, that, that information really kind of informed a lot of my performance ability. Um, and since we're on the topic, uh, I don't know when this will air. On June 21st, I will be hosting the... Um, annual Dance Against Cancer benefit in New York City, which is to raise money for the American Cancer Society. Uh, and I've hosted it for the past four years, you know, with the exception of last year. Um, but this year, I've been invited to also dance wow. uh, at, at the event. So I'll be partnered with Tyler Peck, who's a ballerina at New York City Ballet, 
Um, and we'll be doing a number uh, choreographed by James Gray. It's going to be great. It's going to be the, it's going to open the show. Okay. So, so uh, are we going ballet? Are we going contemporary? No, no, very, very, Ooh. very Broadway jazz. And what are we wearing? Because the costumes, of course, on Dancing with the well, Stars. Well, there's a big costume change. It's a bit of a surprise. Ah. Um, are we going to be able to buy you know, tickets and watch this virtually? You, yes, yes. The virtual link tickets will be available. There are still, I think, tickets available to see it in person at Lincoln Center. Um, but also there will be a Zoom link. So you can go to DAC for Dance Against Cancer, NY.org. Very cool. org. Was, was it? Yeah. So how hard was Dancing with the Stars? Because we all have shows and jobs that we've done that you don't expect right. to be as hard as they are. Like, mm-hmm. and then you walk in and you're like, I am going to die. Yeah. Well, I, I think for a lot of people, I, I can imagine it being very hard. Um, if, if you're either not in physically good shape. Which you are, you're a for runner. Sure. Right. So, so my, my level of fitness definitely helps because it is two, three, four hours at, at, at least every day of, you know, physical movement, you know, activity, moving, dancing, you know, and, and, and when you rehearse that one and a half or two minute routine over and over again, and you give it everything you have, it's exhausting. Um, but emotionally and psychologically, I found it so stimulating and exciting. And I loved, I loved, I loved dancing. Um, so for me, it was so fun. I, I couldn't, couldn't get enough of it. Um, and I found it very easy because I just had enjoyed it so much. Um, and the costumes and the, and the performance of it, I, I, I'm, I'm so into all that. Did you come from a very creative family? Is everyone that way? Were you raised in a creative household? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my, um, my parents, uh, you know, a big part of my childhood growing up in New York City was always going to theater, um, Lincoln Center. Uh, I was obviously encouraged by my mom to play an instrument. And then she sent me to Interlochen Arts Camp in the summer for a few years. Um, Which for people who don't know is like a really serious, prestigious art camp. Yes, it it really is. Yeah, I was very lucky to go there. Um, I wasn't, you know, focused on any one thing. I, I, yes, I played the violin. um, And I, again, I took a, a dance class there um but uh and did some musical theater but yeah I, I i was to be surrounded by talent at that level and to get to see the the actual performances by the sort of older kids that are now some of the top performers in the world and, and musicians and, and dancers was really pretty pretty incredible um so yeah so i was very lucky i had i had exposure to all different kinds of, of arts and my Grandmother is a is a painter, and so summers at her house was was always filled with her artwork, and it was just great. Yeah. So do you is, do you come from a big family? Well, I don't know. I mean, when I, it depends what you mean when you say big. Well, you're about uh, to have your third baby, so you already, in right. my opinion, you've crossed the threshold into big. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I, I no, I would say then then not not a huge family. I mean, um, it, it was just me and my brother. Um, you know, my uncle only has two kids. My mom is one of two kids, but I think, yeah, pretty traditional in the sort of two kids per cup per couple. Um, so yeah, not, nothing, nothing wild. Um, but yeah, we're, we're the first, with the exception of my, my aunt, I've one aunt, my, my dad's sister who has three kids. Um, but other than her, it's, we're the, we're the only ones who are doing it 
with three it's, times. It's so cute because you get all smiley and not, you know, a very different side of you comes out right. when you start yeah. talking about your family. I want to know what is the most, Our, well, yeah, the most unexpected thing you've learned as a father. Most mm -hmm. unexpected thing. Are you seeing traits of your father um, in yourself? Are you, hmm. Sure. Are you parenting more like your parents? Like I've done things where I'm like, oh my God, I have turned into my parents and not necessarily yeah, I mean, in a I, good way. I, I, right. I, I think, you know, we all probably have some concerns going into parenthood about how we're going to act or how we'll be or what our kids will think of us. Um, but yeah, you don't, I hadn't really considered how much just sort of of a reflection your kids end up being on, uh, to you, to you of yourself. Um, and how quickly they become capable of not Cat only reading, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> how quickly they become able to both read your emotions and you know, frustrations and well, no, and then and then communicate back to you how that makes them feel. It's so cute because um, you, you your oldest is a four year old, and everything yeah. you're saying is so sweet and lovely. And the truth is, I have a twenty year old. Sabrina has a almost twenty twenty four turning twenty five. Twenty five. You will soon learn that everything that comes out of their little mouths is a manipulation. Oh, Just for so sure. You know. I, I know that already. <laughs> you're being you're being catfished in your own home because they're already working yeah. you and your wife against each other. Well, that's what so that's what really is incredible is yeah, like my daughter, even my son at two and a quarter or whatever, like they know like they first of all, I thought if there's one thing to look forward to about being a parent, it's being able to assert oneself and like say what should and shouldn't happen and be in charge. <laughs> and then it's like, forget it. Like, they, they, they're already not listening to me. And it's crazy. I thought they had to listen to your parents. It's I thought thing. that was like a thing. No, it, it, it's a thing. It doesn't, you, can, you have to listen doesn't mean you have to actually, right. you know, right. do, my son listens doesn't mean yeah. he does it. Your your wife has been really open, and I'm a big mental health advocate, and it's been really impressive. She's been very open that she's been extremely emotional during this pregnancy. And, and you both have sort of talked about, there's just an interesting article, and a little article in People, talking about how you're scared to have a third. You know, and, and how daunting that seems. And how are you guys both doing, especially your wife? And by the way, props on, on the courage of talking about it because people don't like to talk yeah. about this, especially when it comes to parenting. Right. Well, I, you know, and I don't want to put words in my wife's mouth. I'll do my best to sort of paraphrase what, what she said. Um, but you know, it, it, it is, you know, look, we especially are both very adventurous, impulsive people who like to explore and, and do things on a whim um, and travel and obviously, as, mu as much as we'd like to think we can still do all that, our lives have changed. Um, and it's wonderful and fun and exciting in lots of different ways. But part of our identities when we met um, for much of our adult lives was that uh, freedom and that 
you know, untethered ability to just go. Um, and so that, you know, every, every time you think about, oh, we should do a trip or, oh, I'd love to take you on a lover's retreat somewhere for a few days. It's like, okay, but that means we have to find someone who can come and stay and how, like how long, and we've got this other baby coming. And so when's the next time we even be able to do that? And like, you know, it just sort of starts to, to bog down your in, impulsive abilities to express yourself in, in, in ways other than, you know, <laughs> vocally. So, <laughs> um, so that's, that's, that's tough. Um, and I think everybody, obviously every parent feels that in different ways at different moments. Um, but also, you know, and we talk about this with each other all the time, the idea that like, it's hard. Having kids is hard. Um, it's a challenge. And it's super challenging. And, and being able to, to find someone that you love and can live with and be married to without kids is already a challenge. Um, very rewarding, but, you know, requires constant maintenance and then one kid two kids and then a third kid and like it's a lot to 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 not feel frustrated and annoyed and exhausted and still find a way to look at your partner and and smile and giggle and laugh and feel love and affection and attraction like and we just you know we're very open and connected with each other about making sure we check in with each with our with one another about where we're feeling and how sometimes when it does feel like it's getting a little overwhelming and we're we're breathing down each other's necks, like taking that space. And, and so that coupled with her now, you know, once again, you know, giving her body over to, to having another kid, um, giving up her ability to really socialize, you know, and, and drink and have, and do all of that. And then obviously adding a, just a third kid to her life, scary for her, you know, wh- who is she going to be when, when, and if, she can return to a, a version of her old self or is that gone forever or, or can there be a combination and how can she manage that? It's just like a lot of mental acrobatics to, to sort of imagine how one can continue to be happy and expressive and, and fulfilled outside of just being a mom and, and a wife. And it didn't help. I'm sure being quarantined with two very young children. Right. You, right. As a parent, you a don't too, want yeah. to lose yeah. your, individuality but you know you do to a great degree especially when they're little um but that's why we have grandparents aunts uncles and you don't even call them you just show up drop them off and keep it moving they can't say no (laughs) (laughs) you know it's true you know i we we have i have a very different kind of like i'm I'm like as as a new york city kid you know my parents and my aunts and my uncles, like, they're busy. Like, they're, I couldn't, I can't do that. I can't, like, just drop the kids off. And in New York City, like, no, no, not a lot of people have, like, a guest, two guests or guests. Like, it just, it's harder here to do that, weirdly. Um, you know, you have to schedule it and plan it a couple of weeks out in advance. And, you know, at, and usually it's actually my, my wife's parents, who, who actually both live in Michigan, who tend to be the ones who will come to New York to watch the kids for a few days. Um, because she grew up in, a, right. in that, more of that type of a community, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a family. Um, so it's funny, but yes, I, I wish I could, do, I wish like my dad lives not too far from here, but like, <laughs> he's never going to watch the kids. Like, that's just not my dad. You know what I mean? Well, so, you know, you, this is, you're approaching it wrong. You're giving them choice. 
you have to understand. Right, I guess you could, right. We could say we need to leave the kids with you, right? You, by the way, and speaking of New York City, you hand the doorman a nice tip. You leave them right. till they come home. And what are they going to do? <laughs> say no? I don't let them up? You right. drop and run. Yeah, That's, I haven't tried that. It, it works brilliantly. Um, and they also say, by the way, by your third, you're so, you're, you get yourself so organized that you'll let them juggle chainsaws. Like you, it's true, you, yeah. You don't have we're that pretty, worry. We're pretty tight now, yeah. You really do. And you have so much going on because if you go on your... If you go on your website, it's like you just keep scrolling. It's like one thing <laughs> after the next. Like it's exhausting going through your website. So it must be really exhausting being you. Dare I even ask? Besides expecting yeah. number three, right. Catfish in its is back on the air. You're starting, not back on the air, it's still always, on the always air. Always on the air. You're about to go and start filming again in person. Right. What's next? Besides dancing huh. in the, on Lincoln Center stage. I mean, I'm already, right, like, right, slightly right. nauseous about no, everything no. you get to do. Um, so, so, yeah, so what's coming up? So a couple fun projects um, that have either been in development or are kind of new in development. My wife and I are, are trying to get a little sort of business started in the parenting space um, because the more we experience our children um, – and meet and sort of see the community of young parents uh, in the world. I think we've, we've sort of zeroed it on some ideas that we think could be valuable um, areas to try to come up with some products and, and some community. So that's something that we're just starting to kind of get the ball rolling on. Um, there is the, the beginnings and, and very exciting beginnings of a, a catfish musical in the works. Oh. Um, which I think will be really great. So keeping that moving and pushing that along, you know, slowly but surely, um, which is really exciting. And uh, yeah, but honestly, super focused on catfish. Uh, you know, I'm going to start training for the marathon. They're doing the marathon did, again. How many miles did you put on your treadmill? Oh, I don't actually really like the treadmill. Um, I don't either. I like to be out. I don't either. But during quarantine, it probably, oh, you, I mean. No, well, that was the great thing about running during COVID was you, that was like the one thing you could do. Right. You could go outside and run. Um, anyway, so, so I'm going to start training because New York City, New York Roadrunners just announced they're definitely doing, a, you know, a proper in-person marathon again this year. So I'm excited to, to start training for that. Um, which my wife is not excited about, obviously, because we'll have a newborn in September and then the race is in November. And so she's like, great, you'll be gone every morning for a few hours while I'm home with the baby. Um, yeah, it, it but, ain't that convenient. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, always, always looking for the next thing. Um, you know, whether it's a game show or, or perhaps a Broadway show, which is something I'd love to do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking to see where I could fit in or talk show, something. Yeah. I don't know what it is yet, but, but it's out there. You truly seem like a lover of life. It doesn't, it's like each new day is a new adventure. You just, it just seems that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're, I never know what the day is going to hold. Um, I, I, and I love that. And that's partly why I love living in New York City so much, because you just, you step out your door and 
the world is happening around you and you just kind of jump in that river and, and it takes you where it takes you. And um, that's the kind of life that I hope to continue being able to live. Just that sort of exciting, fun, fast moving, unexpected adventure of a life. Neve, thank you so much. I'm so sorry that you are a lazy underachiever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah.